0: Chris will deal with it focuses on bridging the gap between where you're at now and where you'd like to be. We'll explore wisdom and techniques from a wide variety of domains and industries and apply them to your unique challenges. I love developing frameworks, processes, and storytelling metaphors that enable personal and business growth. Through actionable next steps, we'll build momentum and confidence. My goal is to help you clear roadblocks, do more with what you have, and realize the potential of yourself and your team. So throw your challenges my way and Chris will deal with it. Welcome to episode 17 of Crystal Deal with It. Today's episode is a deep dive on the many aspects of trade shows, conventions, and events. We'll review the various types of events and the impacts they can have on your business. This show will be relevant whether you're looking to sell crafts at a local fair or aspiring to a major national convention. So, last episode, I talked about my experience walking the floor of New York Comic Con, and doing that episode triggered some questions, some thoughts, and having done lots of events over a wide variety of scales and industries. I decided to break down my advice across five major aspects show types, purpose, evaluation, network, and display. And yes, this makes the acronym spend because ultimately that's what you're going to do by attending or vending at a show. So there's a wide variety of show types. It's important to understand the distinctions between them since that will impact your preparations and ultimately how much you'll spend. Uh, One type is hobby and fan conventions. And a lot of times, these are going to focus on consumer connections. It's putting creators and their publishers or manufacturing partners directly in touch with the consumers of their work. And there's a wide variety of scale in these. So in the literary world, there are major events like a WorldCon that will bounce from city to city, sometimes be international. This past one was in Chicago. And there are smaller, more regional literary events that will occur in the same place every year. A great example here will be, and it's a bit of a shameless plug, will be the upcoming PhilCon, which is the Philadelphia Science Fiction Convention. uh, And that's in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which will be taking place November 18th through the 20th. And I'll be doing my first live show there on November 19th if you happen to be in the area. There are industry-wide expositions. These are large national or global shows that cover a wide swath of an industry. There are also organizational conventions. And these do tend to be smaller, uh, based more on geographical regions or subsections of an industry. There's usually more of a mix between talks and panels and a smaller vendors area. And you can certainly be a panelist and a vendor, but you will be doing some double duty. So you want to make sure that you have both booth coverage when you're out doing a talk or, or being part of a panel, and some breathing room to take advantage of that speaking opportunity, you doing your preparation, connecting with the audience afterwards. There are smaller events, these are your craft fairs, community events, they tend to be local, usually tied to a theme. They're often going to involve just a folding table, a smaller time commitment. These do tend to be the most cost effective, but you do need to keep a sharp eye on the return on investment, which we'll talk about in a bit. A great example here, this past Saturday, we had our local town had a Halloween hullabaloo. And I paid $5 for a folding table with the agreement that I'd also hand out Halloween candy to trick-or-treaters. Now, the theme here was great since my focus was on the Rainy River Bees books. So I can dress up in my Rainy River Bees jersey, have an instant costume, but events like this are perfect because there's plenty of kids that are in my target demographic, 8 to 13 year old kids, who are being trailed by their parents who have the cash and desire to see their kids read more. At least that's the hope. And for a small investment in time and cash, I spent a total of 4 hours and $15 when you include all the candy, so I can connect with my target audience in my hometown. Very little commitment. That's a wide variety of types of events. And there's a big business around conventions. I mean, there are massive multinational companies that have branches that this is a very lucrative business. You look at national conventions like New York Comic Con, you see Reed Pop on everything. And then Relics is their, is their parent company over in the U.K., and in my field in my day job I do a lot with the American Public Transit Association and they're going to have a major expo every couple of years. And they'll have smaller events throughout the year that tend to be based around a certain subsection of the industry or a geographic location or on a specific topic. And there's a couple of different ways to approach these conventions. You may be having a large a large booth at a major convention, you might just have a simple table in a conference room in the host facility. Or you could just be walking the show. You don't have to have a physical presence there or even be a panelist. So even if you have relevant products or services to a convention, you don't have to have a booth at the show. Now again, we're going to get into purpose in this next section, but you do want to recognize that depending on the setup of the show, you can generate as many opportunities walking the floor and networking as you could by sitting behind a booth. Now, being tied to a booth can be a great way to give brand or product exposure, showcase your products, but you are going to be tied to that table or or booth for a large chunk of time. It makes it very difficult to get away, explore the show for new opportunities or connections, have discussions with key vendors or customers. Walking the show is going to give you greater flexibility. You can more readily say yes to impromptu lunches or gatherings or catching up over a drink at a nearby bar. There are even people who don't even pay for the convention but do a bar con where they hang out near the convention at a convenient and often frequented restaurant or bar and catch up with the people that they know are attending. Uh, Personally, I've only ever done this once. Uh, I had a lot of colleagues in from out of state who were in New York City for a show and I met them for lunch. They appreciated the break from the busyness of the show and we even bumped into a few other colleagues at the restaurant and made a few connections. But again... It's not the greatest way to go in there and, and be a part of your industry or group or connection. A lot of organizers might see this as soliciting and you're you're doing it unpaid. There's a reason you see no solicitation signs out of stores, right? They're paying for the storefront, they're paying to have a presence. Someone who's not paying into that and trying to sell their own products is very disingenuous. So you don't want to, you don't want to do that, but there is a way where you can be in the proximity of a convention meeting people who may be in from out of town. So let's switch over and talk about purpose. There are plenty of reasons to attend a show brand awareness, product or service, marketing, selling, actually getting moving product, projecting your company presence or health, gaining mind share with a target demographic, uh, networking, and then thought leadership. So for brand awareness, you know, it's just, you may be going to a show in a state where you're trying to get into that market and just making people aware your company even exists is the whole purpose you're going to the show and you're just going to see what happens. You might be going into a show you've been to for years, but you've got a new product or you're trying to market a specific service. So it may show that you're expanding what you're doing or giving people your current line card or having a plan with existing customers who might not be using certain products or services, or your show might be oriented around an aspect of your business and you want to highlight that. So understand your purpose for going. If you're going to sell products, That's a perfectly good reason. You just want to have the right expectations. Make sure you have enough product and inventory. Some reasons to go to a show might be, hey, we've gone to this show every year. If we're not there for a year, our customers might say, hey, what happened to that company? I used to do all this business with Are they okay? Or you have a bigger booth this year than last year. It's a, bit of, it's a bit of signaling, but it, it is a purpose. Some companies will go to a show year over year. It's just to reassure their existing customers that they're healthy and doing well and reconnecting with them, which could save you trips of having to go visit them once or twice a year. If you know everyone's coming to a show, you can get a couple of sales trips done in one convention. If you're trying to gain mind share of the target demographic, I see this more in the larger conventions. So you know, a great example I mentioned in my last episode is that, um, an event like Comic-Con. You're going to have companies like Geico is the example I use that you know, maybe they have a booth just talking it. You know, Everyone knows the gecko and the brand, but trying to keep that in the mind share of a target demographic. you know, Looking hip, looking cool, or showing that you do have relevancy. You might be going just to network. Your purpose there is meet new customers, uh, meet new vendors. If you're a distributor, for example, and you want to see what product lines are out there, you may get to network with some people, manufacturers that want to get into a different market and don't have the resources. Or you're trying to go to get thought leadership. right? You're going specifically to get on a panel, give a talk, show that you're a leader in your industry or a subsection of it. Go in and communicate with people about your ability to help bring their business or their products to the next level. Let's talk about evaluating a show. So one of the big things you're going to want to look at here is the logistics of a show. Especially for a larger convention, you are going to have you may have large demo equipment or you have a lot of uh, a big, huge backdrop. If, especially if the convention is out of town, so travel is a big aspect here. You're not going to want to drive all the way across the country with everything you need for your booth and you're in a truck. You may want to ship that from your warehouse directly to the logistics venue. And almost every single, la- large, especially larger shows, are going to have an exhibitor packet with dozens of pages of details on who you have to do, what there's companies that will just service conventions. Again, travels an evaluation, right? If you're going to a three, four day convention out of town, you've got to book hotel rooms. You have to consider flights. Uh, you may have travel delays. Are you doing a convention in January up in Canada? You might want to have a conversation about what the risks are. What's the relevancy of this convention? Are you going to the show? You know, this goes back to your purpose. If you're going to the show just to do thought leadership, but you're going and the audience is only going to be 10% of the people you want to see, is it worth all the expense and time? Or can you put that energy and money somewhere else to generate that thought leadership? Doing a you know, paying for uh, to be on a podcast, for example. That's not a plug, but <laughs> you want to have realistic expectations of the show. You know how chaotic is this event going to be? you may a great example i 'm going to use here when I did my first major convention that's gen con twenty eleven um, so my my business partner Chris and i we debuted our our new game company masquerade games and our first major game Epigo at the Gen con convention and we got into the the new this is before Kickstarter was a thing. We got our booth. And we had to figure out all the logistics of getting there. And we got all these copies of our game expecting to sell out and have this huge event and bring in all this revenue. When in reality, we only sold a small percentage of what we went there with. And talking to other vendors, we learned that Gen Con is really a marketing show, not a sales show. And our expectations weren't aligned with the usual way those shows go. Some of the vendors we talked to were like, yeah, we expect to get 10 to 20% of how much we spent back from sales at the show. We're really paying for the marketing. And I'll talk more about that a little bit later in that experience. But there is an opportunity cost. If you're going to a two, three, four day convention, spending all this, it's not just a financial cost, but you're spending all that time. When you're at the show, you really should be maximizing your return on investment so you're not, you are not—you know, shouldn't be checking your email all the time and making it a normal business day, especially if you can normally do your job remote. But those are a couple of days that you're not spending on your existing clients, on developing your products, on writing your next book. So you have to weigh it. If you're doing conventions all the time, you're not going to be very effective in the job itself that you're there to promote. Again, location at the show is also something to evaluate. You know, what kind of selection factors are you using to pick your booth? Is it a smaller Room, is there going to be a massive convention hall and you're going to be in the back corner in some annex or underground with bad lighting? You're going to want to look at foot traffic flow. Are you going to be back corner the furthest from the entry doors? Or is there going to be good flow traffic through your booth or past your booth? Where is your competition? So a lot of cases, if you, you don't want to be the first one to sign on for a booth, you may want to wait a bit to see who else is going to be in the room and strategize to be away from your major competition if you have it. There may be a section of the floor that's dedicated for your specific type of product. So at New York Comic Con, there was an artist alley. They weren't on the main floor. They were down below, but there was all the artists. So if you wanted to go see and meet a lot of interesting artists, you knew you'd get them all in one big place, which was great for both the attendee and for the artists who probably saved from having to have a presence on the massive main floor. And a few artists went up on the main floor, but they tended to be, uh, have much larger booths and art and higher prices you're going to want to look at lighting again. Are you going to be in the back corner of a dark room? If you have a product that is like a really bright sign or is a really dark art, you want to make sure you, the lighting of your booth is adequate. Are you going to be in the middle of a, of an aisle? Are you going to have a corner? Uh, so a corner would be just uh if there's someone else behind you. So you have most common booth sizes, a 10 by 10. And so you could be a 10 by 10 in the middle of the aisle, or you would be a 10 by 10 at the corner. You'll pay more for that corner because you're going to get more of a cross flow. But you also have two open sides of your booth as opposed to one, which you do have to plan your booth accordingly. An end cap is going to be two corners. So you're going to have the whole side. And behind you are going to be the, the sides of mid-aisle booths. Or you can take an entire square block. And this can definitely get bigger depending on the size of a show where you take up a big chunk of footprint. And again, you may just have a folding table or in the case of Halloween, a folding table on the grass. So you have to understand what, where your selection factors is. And sometimes you don't even get a choice. Another thing to evaluate is going to be the demographics of your show. How is that going to affect how you market your products and services? So in the case of my books, are there going to be a lot of readers there, you know, who are kids or should I, are there going to be more of adults there? and Not a lot of kids. I'm going to want to market my older reader novels. If you're on another larger trade show, these people who are already dropping several hundred dollars just to be at the show, they might be more likely to spend a few hundred dollars on really nice products and services because they're probably well off enough to do so. Or are you going to a show where it's mostly industry people who are there to attend talks and lectures? It's not a sales show. You're really there to make long-term connections. Your marketing materials are about making that introduction to your company Not necessarily, here's all the specific details on this one particular product I know you'll want. You're really trying to make introductory conversations. You're going to want to evaluate what opportunities this show will give you for post-show momentum. Are you going to be given an attendee list? Or is there an opportunity to do an email blast from the organizer? Something you usually pay extra for. Are you going to have an ability at the show to gather a mailing list or hand out business cards? I actually made this mistake in the most recent Halloween event I've been talking about is I forgot to put a sign-up sheet for my mailing list. And I'll have, again, there's a link to that now all in the show notes for every episode. But it would have been easy to say, hey, you want to learn more about it, get on my email list because I'm trying to expand my email marketing platform. And I just, I forgot about it. I didn't evaluate it. And that lost post-show momentum. But you want to evaluate all this up front. And then after the show, like I'm doing right now, is doing that post-mortem, at the lessons learned so that you can be better at future shows. So all the things we just talked about in this section – That's all going to roll up into your expected ROI. It's difficult to quantify, especially with trade shows and the larger shows. So you want to look at both the short and the long term. We should be getting back from the show before you evaluate that make the decision to attend. This ROI thing is, again, just like the wide variety of shows that are out there. There's a wide variety of ROI calculations, right? This Halloween hullabaloo thing I just did, it was 15 bucks and four hours of my time. Not a huge deal, right? I'm not, I'm not really concerned about the ROI, although I do have a regret of not doing the mailing list. You know, I didn't sell a ton of books, but I wasn't out a lot of money, um, and it was a fun event. It was a, g- a great afternoon. But if I had that same nonchalant attitude after spending thousands upon thousands of dollars at Gen Con, I'd be doing myself and my company a disservice. So let's talk about one of the main things you have to consider in shows, and that's networking. Remember, people do business with people, regardless of who ultimately signs their paychecks. And I've said that on several episodes. Networking is the whole point of any show. How are people going to remember you and or their experiences at your booth or in the talks or panels you are a part of? Are you going to focus on the show on making a few deep connections or many shallow connections? For example... You may take an important client at the show to a nice dinner, which is going to take you away from the show for a longer period of time, and you're going to spend more money on the meal, but you're going to make a deeper relationship with that client or a group of clients. Or are you doing something zany with your outfits and or your booth with the aim of getting people to take some pictures? Maybe you're looking for social media hits, brand awareness. It really depends if your show is more consumer focused versus professional industry focused. So before the show, get a game plan together. What's your priority list? If you have an attendee list or you have a vendor list on the website of the show, who else is going to be there? Who's interesting? Who's uh, tangential to you? So before that show, you're generating a little bit of buzz, letting people know that you're going to be there. If you're going to a specific location, talk to your clients in the area. Hey, are you going to be at the show? It'd be great to connect. Oh, you got a booth. What number is it? Build out a list. Have a game plan. Now, it's not going to be perfect. It's not, you're not going to have a perfect schedule. I'm going to do A, B, C, and D, and that's going to be my convention. Because there's going to be tons of ways to make connections at the show. And it can be very tough to decide on how to spend your limited show time. But remember that those you're connecting with at the show, they have the same problem. Their time and attention are a gift. Don't waste it. Monopolize it. If you have a plan going in, you're going to try to go to lunch with this person, and then, oh, sorry, I talked to so-and-so. We're going to go grab a drink. Sorry, I'm not going to be available. Just roll with it. So I want to tell a story here. I want to go back to what I talked about before at Gen Con 2011. We were there for four days, starting to get disappointed, but people were coming by and demoing the game and really enjoying it. And we had this whiteboard up saying, hey, we've got an event on Saturday night. I think it was seven o'clock. We're going to have the EpiGo World Championships, the first one ever. And the winner of this is going to get one copy of every game that we ever produce as a company. It's going to be a fun time. And people came by and demoed and enjoyed the game. They weren't necessarily buying it, which was somewhat disappointing, but they were signing up. And on Saturday at 7 o'clock, we, we, our board was full. of sixteen. We have 16 people, 16 slots, and we had this whole thing arranged. And we're like, oh, like, we're not really selling. I wonder who's going to show up. And guess what? All 16 people did, and some of them brought their friends to watch the whole thing. And they'd spent, some of these people spent several hours just playing Epigo with us, and we had a phenomenal time we made some great connections. We had a wonderful time. And it was so reassuring that our game was resonating with a specific type of gamer that we really had something here, even if the sales of the show were terrible. Now, again, this was over 11 years ago. So we could have taken more advantage and put more focus on it being a marketing show, not a sales show. But we didn't have the right expectations going in. So we weren't able to fully seize the opportunity. And the world was different with social media and everything else back then. We did get some great pictures, but did we fully leverage it? Not quite, because that was the last world championship we ever had. Because we spent so much on the show and didn't get the ROI we expected, we had to go in different directions with the company. In summary here, I want to go over what types of networking opportunities you might find at a show. There could be solo presentations or readings. For example, I'm going to be doing a, solo, uh, a live version of the podcast at PhilCon. But I'm also going to be part of literary panels with several other writers. The schedule still hasn't come out yet, but I will be on several panels where I'll be one of several people talking on a specific topic. But again, it's an opportunity to network with your other panelists. Hey, it was great being on that panel with you. You could take advantage of that networking opportunity. You might be on a panel with someone whose work you admire or a company that you'd love to do business with in the future. And now you've got a common link. But you can also network with the audience, you know, throwing yourself into that thought leadership role where people might say, oh, I found what what Chris said really interesting. And during the talk, they may be looking on their phone, looking up on LinkedIn or on your website if you plug it at the start of the panel. Oh, cool. I like this stuff. And maybe they try to find you later at the show or just on their to read list. There's plenty of opportunities for lunches, dinners, a conversation at the bar, like I said before. Some of the best The best networking I've done has been through those type of impromptu, hey, let's get together, let's have a grab grab a bite to eat. You can have a business card contest. So especially if you're flying to a show or you're traveling, uh, you're going to be bringing lots of stuff. You don't necessarily want to bring something like a TV for your presentation. right? You're paying all this money to ship a $100 TV. What you do is you go to the site and then find your local Target or Walmart or whatever, go buy a cheap TV that looked decent TV, keep the box, put it up at the booth, do the whole booth, but during the show, have a little jar, hey, put your business card in here, a contest, the winner's going to get the TV at the end of the show. And listen, what you can do is it's not going to be a random draw. You can just palm the business card of someone who you really had a good conversation with and you want to connect again and say, hey, you won the TV, come pick it up, and boom, you've got a second contact right there. And it's a nice way to end the show for them. They're getting a free TV, and you want to try to find someone that's not a hassle for Like if they're getting on a plane, you don't want to you know, have to give them that burden. So you got to be smart about that, but having your mailing list out there at the booth, that would have been good for me to do last weekend, but that's also a networking opportunity. You could have a giveaway. You can have a little bookmark, or you could have a little foam tchotchke, a USB stick, a snap bracelet, whatever it is, you can you know give them away. These things can cost as little as 5 or 10 cents to a couple of dollars. I've seen people have some pretty expensive giveaways. Maybe it's something tied to where they're from or about their specific product. And it was a nice little tie-in. Even if it's a professional show, it could be a giveaway geared towards kids because people are always looking for stuff to bring back to their kids from a trade show. Something now that I've got kids, it's like, oh, that's nice. You know, I appreciate it. I mean, one of the best gifts I ever got from a colleague was a really nice screwdriver, which I used to take batteries in and out of toys. And I still remember this company, just that screwdriver. This little $1 thing It's a constant reminder of that. And those things do tend to work, but you will have the people just are grabbing stuff off your table and throwing it in a bag, and it's never gonna you're never gonna get an ROI on that. So there there is a, a bit of a balance there. Another type of networking opportunities are organizational icebreakers. These have honestly gotten gone off the deep end the last couple of shows I've been a part of. A sign or contest where attendees uh, they go to each booth and get you to sign a card, and then if they get all the signatures, they can be in a drawing for major prizes, which are usually sponsored by the people at the booths because they want people to come visit. You'll see this more like an organizational show for um, where you'll have people that are on the customer side and the vendor side, and you're trying to get them to interact more because not everyone at the show is necessarily caring about all the products on display. You'll see things like speed networking. Again, I find these personally kind of hokey, but there are, you know, depending on the type of event, it could be a great way to kind of structure that networking. But also, listen, if you're spending all the money to be here at a show or have a booth at a show, be present. All too often now, I see people kind of sitting behind their booth, checking their cell phone, they're doing their day to day tasks. And there's always going to be a reason for that, right? Maybe you're making a social media post like, hey, I'm here at the show. How are ya? you? You got to keep that momentum, but. Do it at limited capacity. You're there to interact with customers or vendors. And, you know, if someone walks by your booth who's interested, but you're sitting there staring at a glowing screen, not paying attention, guess what? You've lost that networking opportunity. So seize all the ones that are given. So let's talk about another facet here, the D and spend display. So there's lots of different types of signage. You've got your back walls. These come in all shapes and sizes. They tend to be a little more expensive than something as simple as a roll-up. You might have a canopy, especially for an outdoor event or a craft fair. You might want one of those nice foldable things. Those cost anywhere from like, I think, 80 to 100 and something dollars. If you ever get a good deal on a canopy, it might be good just to pick one up for future shows. You're going to have a table dressing. That's part of your signage. You can have a logo on the front printed or just have a generic color that matches that goes well with a logo of your business. But one thing I see more often than I should at this point, you really want to watch what you give your printer. And the biggest thing here is DPI or dots per inch. Any graphic designer worth their salt, any friend that has access to paint will kind of know. If you, if you just take a, something you pulled off of your website and go give it to the printer, it's going to be the low DPI of like 70. Usually screen is about 72 to 150. And that's going to look like crap when you print it on a big thing like a back wall or a roll up. If you ever been and seen the little like kind of graininess of the image and the corners kind of look all jagged, that's bad DPI. You want to make sure a minimum 300, preferably 600, for something as big of a back wall or a roll up. Make sure it's the right dimensions. You want to use vector art, which scales at any size, small or large, if you can. That's maybe topic for a different episode. But if you're spending the money on a back wall, and again, this can these can go into the thousands of dollars. You can get some that are more cost effective in a couple hundred bucks. But if you're spending that money, make sure it gets printed properly. <laughs> it seems simple, but I do see it more often than I should. You're going to want to look at the exhibitor package. Again, I mentioned this before. For the larger shows, you have to read that really carefully. There's going to be very strict freight requirements. In some cases, you're going to have to follow union regulations. I remember reading the one for New York Comic Con. It's like 85 pages and there's a lot of detail in there that you have to follow. There can be penalties for packing up early or abandoning your booth. You You want to make sure you're invited next year if it was a successful show. Think about the layout of your booth. So are you there, is your purpose there to host a meeting or have people evaluate your product and try it out? So you're going to want to make room for that, where you can have a sit down in your booth. And if you have a 10 by 10 booth, you have to be very creative with how you structure it. Or are you trying to maximize your sales area? Are you just selling your, your tchotchkes? And you, um, if your booth is volumetric, as opposed to just a 10 by 10 means you can go up a certain height as well. Well, you may want Front right at the right at the edges of your booth, a big wall up there with pegboard with just tons of product. Maximize that sales area. Are you going to be doing a lot of standing or demoing of products? Do you want to stand on a cement floor doing that for four straight days? That's going to mess you up. Maybe you want to invest in having some uh, those padded interlocking tiles or those nice foam mats like you would have in your kitchen at your sink. Also think about things like what kind of electricity you need. Are you going to be creating a trip hazard with that TV I mentioned before? So make sure that that's tucked away where no one can walk past your booth and clip your TV and knock over your whole display. Really think through how people are going to interact with your booth. If you're just there to have a table and you're gonna be standing behind it, all right, we'll maximize that table space so that people can see some of your products from any angle. They're going to be approaching it in some cases in a big mass of a crowd. And if they can't find a way into your booth, they're just going to walk right past you. You're also going to want to think about your sales collateral. So these are handouts, your sell sheets, your company info, a little, a little packet, a business card or sticker, or um, a QR code on display for more information, if you're a member and a mailing list to put out. So what type of collateral are you putting out there for people to take so they can get more information, especially at a larger show? Like, so I'm going to use myself as, as an attendee in at New York Comic Con. I was going to be there for all of about six hours, seven hours max. So I knew I couldn't spend a lot of time at booths, but if I saw something I really liked, I'd usually grab the card, and then a day or two later, I'm going through and doing a postmortem on the on the event, even if I tend it, not just being having a presence as a vendor. But I'll go back through and say, "Hey, oh, yeah, I really like that," or I go back to the website and say, "Ah, yeah," and maybe it just looked cool at the show, and I, anything I might remotely have an interest in, because it keeps me moving through the show. Because if you want to see everything in seven hours, you got to be moving. You don't have a lot of time to take a breather. So you want to make sure that your booth does have collateral, because not everyone's going to have the time, or or they just, oh yeah, I, I, you know what, I really like that product. They can grab something and make a note on it or something, put it in their bag and move on. Again, one other way to do that uh, for contact sharing, if you don't want to do business cards, there's something called uh, dot cards. I'll have a link in the show notes where hey, scan this QR code and boom, your content information, your you know your social media handles, your website. Uh, you might have a um, Patreon account. They get all that right there on their phone, they add it, and then they've got it. There's mixed reactions to those things. People, you know, having to pull out the phone and save everything, and and what content information do you share? Anyway, going back to the display, let's talk about inventory. Okay, How much are you bringing to the show? Where are you going to store it? In the case of Gen Con, we brought almost 300 copies of our game, and we left with about 270. (laughs) You know, we overstocked on one, and the other game we had sold out halfway through the show. can't really predict what's going to happen, but you want to make sure that You have enough to maximize your sales if that's the reason you're there. Speaking of selling, what's your point of sale solution? So if you're using something like uh, Shopify or um, Intuit or Square, do you have wireless connect connectivity? Is there going to be Wi-Fi? Are you going to have to do it on your phone where you get no reception? These can be big deals. You never want to lose a sale for lack of being able to accept a payment method. Okay, how are people going to interact? If you have to hand someone a card and they're typing in your credit card number on a phone, that rubs some people the wrong way. Make sure they get a copy of their receipt. But the other aspect of point of sale it's really important to mention here, that if you're going to a show and doing business out of state, you have to make sure you understand that, t- that state's taxation requirements. A lot of the major payment providers like Shopify do factor your location in and they are going to handle that for you. But and most states have a lower threshold you have to cross before filling out the state sales tax, but rules shift, especially when you're physically doing business at a show in that state. So be sure to check with that beforehand, whether it would be with your accountant in the exhibitor packet, or just go to that state's department of taxation and find out what their rules are. And usually all of them are going to have links to the forms and description of their requirements. Also, how are you going to display those giveaways? You don't want your, your nice giveaway that's you know cheap and cost-effective right next to your demo products that you brought one of. <laughs> because someone might say, oh, cool, uh, look at that giveaway. And all of a sudden, you've lost your demo piece of equipment. I've had this happen. You know, Are your giveaways structured in a way where it's going to attract people to your booth? Even if they're there just to scoop up your foam tchotchke and toss it in their goodie bag, does it give them an opportunity to interact with you? Does it give them, Is it placed right next to something you'd want just a looky-loo to see? And again, how are you positioning your samples and demo equipment, making sure there's space so they can operate the device or interact with it in the right way. Uh, a great example for from Gen Con again is we had a nice large version of EpiGo that we, we handmade that had sand. It was, it was beautiful. But it allowed people to play on a bigger version of the game. It, attract, it attracted them to the booth, but it also gave us a nice table. Other people can come by and watch a game in progress. Instead of it being the actual board game, which is small on a table and, and people hunched over it, it may be hard to see the product. But we had a version of it to do a demo that was also attracting people into the booth. You want to f- think about your display, you know, scre- sketch, sketch out your booth on some graph paper. How am I going to lay things out? Think about how the people are going to interact with it. Again, there's no real quote for today. I really just wanted to do a deep dive into the many aspects of trade shows, conventions, and events. If you have any questions or follow up, please reach out and uh, have a great day. If you feel that Chris dealt with it, I'd appreciate your support of the show by sharing it with someone who might benefit. Ratings on your favorite podcast player are also helpful in growing the audience. Visit ChrisKreuter.com for free downloadable PDFs with notes and resources for today's episode. Sign up for the CDWI mailing list or to send in your problems or requests for future shows. That's C-H-R-I-S-K-R-E-U-T-E-R.com or use the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Chris will deal with it.